0: ¡Gracias!
1: Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz, sitting here with my partner in crime and main man, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, Foltz. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm super excited. It's uh it's been quite the time since we uh been back here recording in Studio 1B. I've missed you. I've missed you too. Gosh, we've been trying to get together. We know it's been quite some time since we put out a podcast. Um, but if you are living in anywhere in the northeast over the past month or so, you probably know why we were having some difficulties getting together. Gosh, we, we even we even said, well, let's record on a different day. We had everything set up, and you know what happened. It snowed, and we got snowed out, and we couldn't do it, but... A lot, we, of, a lot of sore backs from shoveling. Oh, if I shovel one more thing. But So that's why I'm glad that we're in here. We can forget about all that. We're back.
0: We're back. Subtle
1: Beast is back. on a, We'll be back on a regular scheduled time. Same bat time, same bat station And uh, we got a good one for you tonight It's going to be really good Uh, We're going to dive right in And uh, we're going to be discussing remote viewing Um, This has been a podcast that Gosh, I know we say this a lot But we really have been kicking this one around For a really, really long time And We even got together to record it one time, and we're like, it's not ready yet. So we scrapped it, put out some other podcasts. Now we feel that we've got the right. Amount of homework done on this topic.
0: I remember the first time you approached me regarding remote viewing. I had zero knowledge of the subject.
1: Yeah, and I remember, and you're like, "So tell me a little bit about it." So you know, you can do your best, like right off the top of your head, but it's always best to like, well, here, check out this and watch this and listen to what this guy says. So that's what we started doing. Was we started exchanging information back and then our information started to grow tenfold. And now we've got the episode.
0: We've got the episode. I, I will say this uh, first and foremost. There is so much information on the topic. There's no way we're going to get to all of it.
1: Yeah. So it's it w- just take this as uh, like the Cliff
0: Notes. Right. It'll, it, it'll be a highlight show for remote
1: viewing. Yeah. And there's going to be many names that come up time and time again. There may be similar instances. Um, there may be some overlaps. Uh, in some of those short stories that we have for you, but you'll see how they all tie together, and you know you'll be with us with who's who and who's doing what and who's seeing how and you catch my drift.
0: Yeah. So uh, you, we got a we have a small intro that will just give you a brief overview of what remote viewing is, and then. Uh, Foltz has a story that is uh, the story that he told me that first night. It was the story that
1: got me interv- in interested in remote viewing.
0: Right. It's it. So this the this, but the first story is my is one of my favorites.
1: So if you if you if you're unfamiliar with the topic, no worries. We're going to break it down for you. Now, <clears throat> what do paranormal hijinks, international espionage, secret government programs? And, oh, yeah, Jeff Bridges have in common. They are all connected with remote viewing. But what are remote viewers? Simply, remote viewing is the ability to gain information from a distant or unseen target through their use of extrasensory means. Think ESP. Now, (laughs) typically a viewer... This is, how an interview, this is how remote viewing will go down. There's a handler and there's a person that is being asked a question. Typically, a viewer and interviewer are isolated with a target, which may be a, p- a picture or randomly generated numbers in a sealed envelope. Neither know what the target is and both are blind to the target. This is known as working double blind so that the interviewer can't feed information to the viewer. The interviewer might ask, describe the location inside the envelope. The viewer might then make sketches or jot down brief word descriptions. So, like they were saying in in this description, think ESP. Think of someone saying, uh, "Communicate with Joe Schmo over in Italy," and you two could have a conversation through ESP. But this is more like um, getting coordinates and being able to view what 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 was
0: going on in that area. You know, past, present, or whatever it's leaving your physical your physical body behind right and sometimes leaving this plane or this uh this realm yeah and and going into uh an energy that's far from where you are or close to where you could be a mile away could be millions of miles away could be in the time that you are in could be in a time that's a million years old yeah or it may not even have happened yet oh yeah Future of yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Now, here, I'm going to tell this really, this is a great story to, to, to kick off the topic. So just sit back and relax on this one. One account in particular spoke of a remote viewing session conducted May 1984 by a remote viewer referred to and recorded only as the subject. Now, the covering letter from the transcript of the experiment reads, Method of Site Acquisition, Sealed Envelope with Geographic Coordinates. The sealed envelope was given to the subject immediately prior to the interview. The envelope was not opened until after the interview. In the envelope was a 3 by 5 index card with the following information. The planet Mars, time of interest, approximately 1 million years B.C. Selected geographic coordinates provided by the parties requesting the information were verbally given to the subject during the interview. As we will see in this moment, that was not even the most bizarre part of this transcript, though. Let's see. Okay. Uh, After after being given the first of of two coordinates 40.89 north and 9.55 west being completely unaware of their destination. He responded that he could see a pyramid or a pyramid form. It's very high. It's kind of sitting in a large, depressed area. He would describe a civilization being present on the planet and of highly advanced technology at the disposal of the society. He he spoke of cities of large, flat surfaces with very smooth angles, which were very large. I mean, they're megalithic. He would also describe a destabilization of the area when he stated, I'm tracking severe, severe clouds, more like dust storm. It's a geological problem. He was given a series of coordinates, each time describing what he saw. These range from huge structures, cities inside canyons, which were like rabbit warrens with very high walls, to a structure that resembled the obelisk in Washington, and strange intersecting roads that are dug into valleys. As the session progressed, however, the subject began to have difficulty focusing on the given coordinates. He, ha- he was, however, drawn to things of interest. It was decided to let the subject go where he was drawn to, and it was here where he saw some of the most incredible things. He described again seeing huge pyramids which were designed as shelters from storms. He was then asked to enter one of these pyramids and describe what he could see. He responded that there were many different chambers that had almost stripped of any kind of furnishings and now were strictly functional places of sleeping or some form of hibernation. When asked to describe who was using the pyramids as shelter, he responded, responded, very large people, but they're thin. They look thin because of their height and they dress in a real light silk, but it's not flowing type of clothing. It's like cut to fit. They're ancient people. They're dying. It's past their time or age. He went on to describe that they were waiting for something to return or something coming with an answer. When asked what they were waiting for, the subject replied, a group or a party of them went to find a new place to live. This was said, the subject, due to the corruption of their environment. It's failing very rapidly, and this group went somewhere, a long way to find another place. He was then taken, He, uh, pardon me, he was then asked to describe how this group left, to which he would reply, it looks like the inside of a larger boat, very round walls, and shiny metal. The subject was encouraged to go along with them and describe the destination of their journey. He would state, I get the impression of a really crazy place with volcanoes, gas pockets, and strange plants, very volatile place, which also similar to the place that they had just left, was mainly different due to the fact there seems to be a lot of vegetation where the other place did not have it and a kind of in a different kind of storm at this point the remote viewing session was brought to an end now the question comes up might the subject have been describing earth 1.5 million years ago and perhaps more importantly what became of the party that apparently arrived here as well as the cities in Sidonia region of Mars those are just some of the questions that are come, come to ask this story right here is a really great one. I mean, if that, if that didn't touch you and really get you interested in the topic, uh, I really don't know what will, because that is really fascinating. And it goes, if you've ever seen the movie, there was a movie that came out and I think it was summer of 2000, and it's simply called mission to Mars, where they were going, uh, this first team went there. They, they came across, uh, you know, what everyone knows is the face of Mars and, And this crew tried sending like some type of signal into the face of Mars. And apparently it was the wrong signal. It created this big dust storm and it killed the astronauts that were up there except for one. Well, so then there was a rescue mission to go. Uh, The astronauts go there with the help of the guy that's been there for over a year. They figure out that the right code to shoot into the face is actually a signal that shows that human DNA because it was humans that inhabited Mars at one point in this movie. Then they're able to get in this thing. They're shown all of their history, why Mars isn't a civilization anymore. Um, and they show that before the, before the humans that were on Mars or the Martians left there to go find another home, they started shooting out DNA into the universe, just hoping to, you know, seed, um, different uh, different planets and in the video that he was shown by this extraterrestrial that's exactly what happened they they uh, they sent uh, some of their DNA it landed on Mars and it started uh, you know the the human evolution came to earth came to earth yeah it started the human evolution now what you saw in their video as uh, I think that they were showing you what the extraterrestrials look like in present day because they've evolved over a million years but basically what that movie is trying to say is that were all originally from
0: mars which makes sense if you look at mars it's got that red desolate like dirty sand and rocks that's all that's on
1: yeah and there's a lot of scientists that say that due to the high levels of radiation up there that it almost seems that the destruction to the planet was almost like some interplanetary war that was using some type of nuclear devices
0: Or some type of futuristic devices that are even stronger than nuclear devices.
1: Oh, sure. Because, I mean, if we look into what he was describing in his remote viewing, this highly advanced civilization that had craft and they had all kinds of buildings and such. But this was one million year B.C. Right. So, I mean... For us to think that, you know, we're the center of the universe and that you know, human life it started everything.
0: I believe they said humans on Earth evolved. They started around 200,000 years ago. So if if they were uh, looking to shoot uh, into different areas, then Earth would be a, a prime hospitable nest for their DNA.
1: Yeah, and it was right within their own galaxy even.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if we're... And and you know what, man? Elon Musk keeps talking about going to Mars, and now he's got Trump and everybody on board. And uh, Jeff Bezos has his rocket company, and uh, in, uh, Virgin Galactic, Virgin uh, Intergalactic. Now they—it seems as if there is a pool backed to Mars.
1: Yeah, and, and 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 Virgin Galactic, I believe. I think they they
0: did two. Uh private flights into space commercially yeah i saw the article they said uh they did it it was a test but it was with a non it was a, a pay like a paying customer
1: right and they had this picture that they're like this is w- the look on your face when you see the earth from space for the first time and this lady's mouth
0: was just like wide open just like oh i was so jealous yeah i know man it's it's coming to all of us but it's it'll be within our lifetime it's crazy too because it's uh, with virgin galactic
1: not to get off topic but they go up in a plane first and then that rocket is deployed at a certain distance and then it hits like apogee which is like space and then like weightlessness kicks in oh that'd be so dope plus the uh rocket looks awesome well yeah i mean <laughs> sir richard branson's got it going on sir richard branson if you're hearing i want to go to the moon
0: <laughs> yeah Bring, bring subtle beasts to the moon yeah
1: seriously we'll do uh, we'll first podcast a first podcast from moon <laughs> yeah how incredible would that be so so there's uh, you know the breakdown uh, the the introduction of uh, what remote viewing is one of our favorite stories leading into it um, Now what we do have is uh, there are a lot of uh, remote viewers uh, within within our own government. That uh, did things for the CIA and other things So we're, we, we compiled our what we consider to be uh, the 10 best uh, remote viewing um, stories that People that have claimed to have been using remote viewing And uh, see things with ESP So um, that's what we're going to uh, you
0: know, dive right into um, Steve, you want to take it? I will The first one, remote viewers claim they were part of a secret Pentagon program The U.S. government thought remote viewing was intriguing enough to actually create an investigative unit in 1978. Along with the Defense Intelligence Agency and a private contractor called SRI International, they established Project Stargate in Fort Worth and Fort Meade, Maryland, to explore the possibilities for remote viewing. The story of this unit was dramatized in the 2009 film The Men Who Stare at Goats. George Clooney movie. It was a Clooney movie, Spacey was in it, Bridges, Ewan McGregor. Though many of the events in the film were fictionalized, the existence of this program and the hard scientific protocols used to test and train men were based on facts. The program was discontinued and declassified in 1995 after the Pentagon determined that it wasn't useful. Wow.
1: Uh, Let's see. Now there's another one that stated UFOs exchange fire with a Russian submarine. Now in 1975, Ingo Swan, remote viewer from the original CIA program, made an astounding claim when he was asked to remote view the coordinates of a Russian submarine. He deduced it was some sort of test, since the Pentagon already knew what happened to the submarine. While remote viewing, he was quoted as saying, Oh my God, and I think the submarine has shot down a UFO or the UFO fired on her? What should I do? After delivering his report, the, the Pentagon further funded the CIA program.
0: There you go. One story that says yes, and, and then another one that where they get further funding.
1: Exactly. So then it goes on. One remote viewer predicts another civil war in America. Some remote viewers say they can use their abilities to see things in the in the distant and not so distant future. E.M. Gene Nicolay is one such remote viewer. He claims companies and governments have hired him for predictions. He has made some extraordinary predictions. Highlights include a global currency reset between 2017 and 2019, the destruction of Rome in 2030. And an American Civil War In 2035 He outlines his predictions further in his book Timeline Collapse And Universal Ascension I'm getting it yep, uh, Steve already said he's getting it He's going to cover it and let us know what it's like
0: Timeline Collapse
1: So but what I think is interesting Is uh, when it says highlights Include a global currency Reset between 2017 and 2019 was, uh, I just recently saw A commercial for Um J.P. Morgan, you know, one of the biggest bankers in the world. They're coming out with their own cryptocurrency to uh, implement into their banking system. Wow. Who's bigger than J.P. Morgan? No one. So as far as in the banking, I mean, other than like the Rothschilds
0: and such. But it's going to, that crypto is going to take the Rothschilds out of it.
1: Sure. Well, and you know, in the destruction of Rome in 2030, it's just like, well, what happens between now and 2030? Is there some type of... Information that was given out on extraterrestrial life that maybe uh, like Rome or the Vatican was suppressing. So people were coming up in arms, but you kept this from us for all this. Maybe, you know, they're misinterpreting their religion now and, you know, they're all up in arms. Rome is the face of Catholicism. It is. It is, and you know, and there's a lot of people that say that uh, Rome is holding the key to disclosure because there's been many times, even back in I think the Clinton administration, where they wanted to disclose a lot of things, and they said before we do that, we need to meet with, uh, you know, the Pope, see what he thinks, and obviously he said no, right, and he's got the power to shut it down so far. Yeah, I mean, he he's the leader of what one of the biggest religions in the world, so. Well, another good story to cover along this topic is remote viewers correctly identified one of the kidnappers of Patricia Hearst. Wealthy heiress Patricia Hearst was violently kidnapped from her home in 1974 by a cult known as the Symbionese Liberation Army, which went on to brainwash her and list her in crimes in the days immediately after her kidnapping. Berkeley police were still in the dark and frantically looking for leads. Along with his team, Russell Targ, one of the original remote viewers of the CIA program, used remote viewing and was the first to correctly identify the kidnapping car and one of the kidnappers. That's fascinating. That is... I mean, if you're doing that, I mean, it's funny that they don't use this in more mainstream ways, like just in the regular police
0: departments trying to solve crimes. I mean, if people have these talents, they shouldn't be ignored. I mean, this is the, that is the original CIA members were back in I mean, as far back as the 30s. They go the whole way through. But uh, it was very popular in the 70s and then, you know what, man? Maybe they're just not seeing the same way these days. Maybe people just aren't able to see the same way. It
1: could be or there's more programs like this with, with remote viewing going on, and we won't find out for another thirty years. Like, oh, there you go. like the 1984 story, which uh, you know we're just getting around to getting that information out now. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about you know aliens exist and collaborate with humans to stop nuclear war?
0: In one of the remote viewer claims, Major Ed Dames, one of the original students involved in Project Stargate, said that not only do extraterrestrials exist, but they are actually collaborating with humans to stop nuclear war. On the Coast to Coast radio show, Ed Dames describes UFOs that were reported actively shutting down U.S. Trident nuclear missile sites. When the Pentagon asked him if they could get any intelligence from remote viewing, he said his remote viewers claimed that these were not craft, but plasma balls being controlled by both extraterrestrials and human beings that were not born on this planet. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Dude, the first time we uh, read that, I freaked out. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. That's coming. Hum- going. It's coming for sure. Oh, it definitely is. Um, one of the things when I was researching some
1: of this topic today, when I was going over some of the... Uh, the different um, remote viewing um, hit upon uh, the story that we told at the beginning about Mars and there's a guy that uh, by the name of uh, Tom Van Flandern that he actually came out and this is a quote of his the odds and he's talking about all the like the, the face of Mars and the pyramids on Mars the odds of an anomalous items imaged in the Sidonia region of Mars being of natural origin are 1000 billion Billion to one against this theory. In other words, the possibility that these objects occurred naturally has been ruled out beyond a shadow of a doubt.
0: That's amazing. That is. Oh, my gosh. It gave me chills. Yes, so you know that either... We are the next incarnation or the next version of what originally happened on Mars. I mean,
1: there's so many different things. the craft and the extraterrestrials that we see to this time may, may even be us from the future trying to maybe get us some type of message about don't let this happen or this happens in the future. We don't want this to happen. And I mean, I don't
0: know. And um, I, I, it seems as if we are quickly going through our natural resources and i think that it, there will be a time where it will get to the red zone oh yeah the point of no return it, it, maybe even past the point of no return where it gets to the part where we know we've gone too far and that the earth is bound to look like the face of mars and well, that yeah. we need to evacuate the earth and find a new planet
1: well even einstein said that if 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 the if, if if human life is going to go on and exist only on Earth, then it will cease to exist. We have to we, we have to go out into the galaxy. So eventually, humans have to evolve and you know and, and take our place uh, amongst our brothers and sisters interstellarly and start finding new homes. I mean, there's been guys that have come out of secret space programs. Uh, I think we even covered it on past podcasts that when they were part of the secret space program and visited other planets. When they got down onto these planets, they saw houses, they saw cars, and they saw people, human beings, and they were speaking English. So there's human beings out there living on another world that are unaware of earthling human beings, and we're just as extraterrestrial to them as they are to us, but we're
0: all of the same genome. This is all we know. So to us, it would seem so strange to find a human from a different planet, but it would it would be just the same for them to come here and say, "Oh, you thought Earth was the home of uh, uh, yeah, the you thought you were the center of the universe. You thought the humans came from Earth. Humans didn't come from Earth. Oh yeah, uh, you're occupying Earth right now.
1: Yeah, that's it. Well, just like in uh, the day the Earth stood still. What are you doing here on our planet, your planet? You know, the planet belongs to the universe. That's right. Yeah, Mother Aya. So. But yeah, so let's jump into uh, let's jump into another one. A remote viewer actually predicted the ring around Jupiter. So if you didn't know that Jupiter had a ring around it, you're about to. The CIA also had its own remote remote viewing program. Of course, they did. That predicted the pen, predated the Pentagon's by a few years. One of its remote viewers, Ingo Swan, remote viewer. He reviewed the perimeter of Jupiter and predicted that there was a faint ring around the planet, something our telescopes were unable to detect. Now, when Pioneer 10 did a flyby of Jupiter in November 1973, it confirmed that there was, in fact, a ring around the planet. You can't guess that. No. Because yeah, I mean, we are. everyone's always like, yeah, well, okay, well, you know, we got Saturn's got rings, and you got some dude coming out, and goes swan saying, well, there's a ring around Jupiter as well.
0: Can't see it because it's 1973, and we don't have the optics yet. Yep. But I'm telling you.
1: Well, they finally did get the technology and did a flyby, and gosh, he was absolutely right. Nailed it. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, uh, what they were talking about with uh, with Rome shall be destroyed in 2030.
0: E.M. Gene Nikolai also predicted that after World War Three. Islamic terrorists will flee the Middle East and flood into Europe, causing the destruction of Rome in 2030. If those kind of nightmares intrigue you, you can find out more right here. That's right. That's right. So I don't think he goes into, I mean,
1: Islamic terrorists will flee the Middle East and flood into Europe. I mean, that's kind of stuff that's already happening right now. Yeah. I mean, it's happening. I mean, there's places like, uh, Oh, what is it? I don't, I don't know if it's Sweden or if it's Switzerland. I think it might be Switzerland. But there's places in Switzerland where, uh, even people from their home countries, there's been so many um, Islamic, oh, people for the lack of a better term that have been brought over to that country that there is some spots in Switzerland that the police won't even patrol. That's how wow bad it is. They just avoid it, and they say if you go down there and something happens to you, don't call us because we're not coming. Oh my gosh So I mean
0: that's not too far to I mean if that keeps spreading Well I mean there was A a current uh, U.S. government official that Was sworn in uh, under the Quran So it is spreading
1: very quickly Right I mean and it's a very dangerous thing I mean uh, I'm not one that's against religion But one thing that is certain More people have been killed In the name of God Than anything else on this planet it's true. So I mean, people are like, oh yeah, well my religion's the best. It's just like, well, you're raging war. Your god scares me a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I mean, it's not to say. I mean, it can could, it could just come from from ignorance and not knowing enough about a particular religion. But I would think that any religion that is uh, encouraging death, destruction, and murder, eh, may go hand in hand. Maybe Satanists, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They just want to pure. They just want to purify it. Yeah, and every religion, I guess thinks they're right now if, if, they, if they would all sit down and actually look at all of their religions and all the similarities in them but again that could open pandora's box that's exactly probably what our government programs don't want they're like if they go too far whole we'll thing out <laughs> which is crazy that now we have this information on remote viewing and what we're finding out um are there alien structures on the dark side of the moon Well, Ingo Swan thinks so. Ingo Swan, again, one of the most experienced remote viewers, claims he saw structures and humanoids on the far side of the moon. As he put it, I found towers, machinery, lights, buildings, humanoids busy at work on something. I couldn't figure it out. Although by the time he saw this, he says the intelligent community already knew about it. That was the second story that you had ever told me. Right, and... Now, this information, uh, we didn't put how this story ended. Ingo Swan was really scared during this time when he was remote viewing the backside of the moon. Like he said, he was seeing these humanoids, and they were busy at work, and they were trying to figure something out. Well, while they were working on this, one of the extraterrestrials picked up that he was remote viewing them, started remote viewing Ingo Swan directly back. That's what caused uh, him to get really scared, and that's what shut down that session. And it just, it it rattled him because maybe he's been remote viewed before by a human being. But when you're remote viewing and, you, and you're on that level of consciousness, I mean, he could probably actually feel what this
0: creature, for the lack of a better term, was feeling, felt. I mean. Well, their telepathy is how they communicate. Right. A lot of aliens have a, either a very small mouth or no mouth. Uh, so they, they communicate tele- telepathically. And that's what was occurring right there. Uh, Ingo was remote viewing him. He picked up on it and just let it, letting him know. I'm, I'm, well, sure. If Ingo Swan right back, has,
1: has mastered uh, remote viewing and these civilizations that have been around millions of years prior to us, well, it, it would almost be like um, you're driving in your car and you hear a police siren. You look, oh, there's a, there's a police car behind me. Well, that is probably some type of indication. I'm being remote viewed. Or somebody's looking at me, and they can pick right up on it, and they're like, hmm, how's this feel? You know, right back at you. And you know, a lot of the astronauts from the original, uh, not the original Apollo 1, but the the first astronauts, like all, uh, Buzz Aldrin and them, they had claimed to family members that they were warned off the moon and told not to come back. And that's why, like, in their press
0: briefings, they look scared to death. Now, they look zombified. They look like... They weren't even the same people that were up there.
1: Yeah, I mean, they made statements. Uh, we're looking at these craft; they're huge. They're they're looking at us, looking at that. Could you imagine? You're not on your planet anymore. You have zero protection, and some extraterrestrial force that's at least a million years more advanced at you is being like, "What do you guys think you're doing here?" And what one of my uh, one of my heroes, Stephen Greer, said, "Why we haven't been back to the moon in fifty years was because we haven't evolved enough, and that." a lot of extraterrestrial races will not let us leave Earth's orbit until we've achieved some type of humanity level or what Greer refers to as a level one civilization, which a level one civilization has done away with all war, poverty, hate, anything. And so that's at a level one civilization. And Greer has said that a lot of these extraterrestrials are at like a level 400. Jeez. So... Millions of years more advanced So we just need to one To be allowed to travel interstellarly It's hard uh,
0: it, it is It seems like we're going backwards It sure does
1: Now let's see Remote viewing was used to gain information From a KGB agent In 1980 Joe McMonigle had another success when his services were used by the CIA to help determine how a captured KGB agent in South Africa had communicated the man, McConical said, to look at his pocket calculator, which the agent used frequently. After investigating, the agents found the calculator conceived or concealed
0: a shortwave radio. And that's classic, man. James oh, Bond stuff
1: right there. Oh, I mean, it's just clutch. I mean, he came in and was like, oh, you want to know how? This is how.
0: They were like, with something. He's not. He's communicating, but we don't know how. And Joe McGonagall was able to figure it out without even being there.
1: Right. So if you have any doubts of like how accurate uh, this remote viewer, Joe McGonagall, can be, Joe McGonagall, when he was a member of Project Stargate, said uh, that he acu- accurately predicted where the United States research satellite Skylab would fall, eleven months before it crashed to Earth, McMonigle told his superiors that the spacecraft would crash in Padua, Italy, and that's exactly where it ended up. That's like throwing a
0: dart at a dartboard.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, if you don't believe in, I mean, if you don't believe in what these people are saying, then. All I can say is that I challenge you to come up with a, with an explanation for how, what, where, or why, unless you believe that you know it's, it's all being faked and stuff like that. But which know, is fine. But- which is fine. But I mean, this, these are briefings that have been released by the CIA. Yes, the, some of the biggest liars on the planet. But what would they have to gain by releasing you know this type of
0: information? Plus, you can kind of tell that it's true. You you can kind of feel like I can always tell when a story feels right. Sure. Well, just think about um, intuition,
1: a mother's intuition. Right. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. One time, just based on that, when my my father told me when he first went away to college, uh, uh, he was living by himself, and his mother called my grandmother, and some guy went running up and been like, "Folks, your mother's on the phone. Uh, you know, she needs to talk to you." And she was like, "Steve, have you talked to your brother?" And he was like, "No, because my uncle was uh, over in Vietnam at the time." And I said, no, I haven't talked to him. She was like, you need to reach out to him. I think he's been hurt. I think he's got injured. Well, my brother ended up talking to his brother that night and was like, hey, I talked to mom. She said she had a dream that you got hurt. He was like, I actually did. Not bad. He like got this big gash, but like maybe like a, a bayonet or something like across his scalp or something like that. But she picked up on it. So mother's intuition. I mean, same as uh, twins, all twins, big time and, or like you, your, your gut check. I mean, if you, if you feel a certain way, I read something interesting one time is that human beings are the only creatures on this planet that ignore instinct. They said, we'll I'll give you an example. If there was a bunch of shady characters standing in, in an elevator and uh, a white tailed deer would see those people and pick up on that, it would immediately turn around and run. A human being will try and rationalize it. Oh, this feels really weird. But you know, what could it be? I'm just getting in this elevator, and then you're never heard from again because you ignored your ESP, right? Your feeling, your natural feeling in the universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we did a podcast way way back on the Akashic Records, talking about how you know it's basically the internet of uh, of our galaxy, and you can tap into it and 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 just learn anything and everything from the Akashic Records. And you have to think, I mean, look at some of the greatest minds of our time. I mean, even today, like we have Elon Musk, but we had Albert Einstein. We had uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, Tesla. And Tesla was said, came out and said that he's getting some of his information from extraterrestrials. Which a lot of people say that, you know, not to switch topics again, but uh, you know, the Black Knight satellite that has been revolving around Earth that people have claimed to see for 18,000 years. Some scientists have said that it's extraterrestrial craft that may be on, on the fritz and that occasionally it beams down to Earth information. You know, because it's on the glitch and some human beings are picking up on this, getting this information, and then they're using it. Look at Tesla. I mean, if Tesla would have had it his way, if he would have gotten that, that funding from J.P. Morgan, but J.P. Morgan, when he found out that he wanted to give it away for free, said no. It would have been like um, seeing video from the 1920s in 4K and people walking around with iPhones in the 1920s. I think
0: one of the... Uh, biggest Akashic records was Alexander Graham Bell inventing the telephone yeah but in fact it was Antonio Mucci in Italy that did it first how about that
1: How about that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similar stories like that. People that have come out almost at the exact same time with the exact same inventions. Do a Google search on it, and you're going to find stories that blow your mind. It's like these two people that they have never met, had never even exchanged information, but almost within the same Months submitted patents For some type of technological Device that you know has uh, Basically formed our modern Day society how would A guy from Italy and a Guy from let's say I don't know California Back when you know Be making these communications and sharing this information They never met so is it ESP it's
0: kind of like remote viewing each Other without knowing it on a different Subconscious level yeah yeah, I mean it's like uh, you know back
1: back before cell phones. Um, when if you you know if you're a child of the '70s, '80s, or even the beginning of the '90s, times when like the phone would ring and you'd just be like, I know who that is. And You would just pick it up, and be like, Hey, I knew it was you. It's just that that person was dialing in on that phone at that frequency. Your frequency of your brain was able to pick up on that frequency and be like, You know
0: what? I think that's my buddy on the phone. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it is. There was times where I picked up the phone and I was like, Hello. Yeah and there was somebody on the other line, but I was picking the phone up to call somebody, but somebody was calling me at the exact same moment. Yeah, it happened to me, and I was
1: picking up the phone to call the person that was already <laughs> on the phone. You were like, what are you... Oh, man, that's... Yeah, a- I mean, how many times has somebody texted you and you say, oh, my God, I was just about to text you the exact same thing? It's true. called It's called synchronicity because we're all made up of the same thing. So, of course, we can all connect with each other. I think that these stories of remote viewing are not only entertaining but mind-blowing and feel that there's so much more that we can learn from them and just expand on what it is and i'd really like to see maybe not the cia running it but you know some type of independent like uh something like like greer's organization have some type of remote viewers come and work for them and you know really get some knowledge of what's going on out there and beyond
0: Right. But I mean, when the organizations take over and especially government organizations, then the next thing you know, it's going to be like farming where they're going to put remote viewers in a tiny box and not show them the respect that they have and just get, you know, a thousand or anybody that says that they can remote view and bring them in and try and force and get as much information out of, you know, the government
1: works. Well, sure. But you know what, depending on how strong of a remote viewer they are, they could just say, go ahead and keep me here. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna let everyone know where I am somehow. Right, I'm gonna let the rest of us know. Yeah, that that uh, extraterrestrial from the backside of the moon. I'm just gonna say that you know you were making fun of him, and uh, <laughs> he's gonna come get you. Yeah, he's
0: gonna come down and save me. And, he's gonna come get me out of here.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's just I think it's fascinating. We like now, granted, we've only hit like the tip of the iceberg of uh, delving into this topic, but we just wanted to you know bring you some of the basics and. You know, help you to open up your own in- uh, investigation into um, into uh, remote viewing because there's there's lots of other great stories. Pat Price, another great remote viewer, who was eventually taken out um,
0: in a shady way, man.
1: And, uh, just yeah. taken out by someone else. Yeah, just taken out. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys. I mean, some of them had to go into hiding for that very reason. I mean. If you can see everything that's going on, one remote viewer. Now, I didn't put we didn't put this into the story of our notes, but um, they were trying to figure out what was going on in this one particular area of Russia. So they used one of these remote viewers, and he said, "If you go to this particular part in Ru- in place in Russia, they have something buried underground." He said, "I believe it's a sixty-foot sphere. There's multiples of them, and what they're using them for?" He said, "I see spikes all over them. They use them to shoot down." Spy plane Or spy Aircraft From the United States So The United States Went on his word Went to this exact location Started digging Brought up Big metal spheres With these spikes on them That could Shoot down And guess what The height of a 58 feet He missed it by 2 feet
0: He, he was close
1: 58 feet Saying they're 60 foot square Or spheres he nailed it.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, and then that was you know that helped us get the edge on uh, on the war
0: because you know it kept more of our spy planes in the air and seeing what the heck's going on. The remote viewing where they sketch I think is incredible. Where uh, someone is given coordinates and they're asked to sketch. I saw one sketch sitting next to a photograph, and it was a sketch of what looked to be like uh, train tracks or like a a, ra- a car on a rail that had like a crane coming out of the top of it. And they showed the actual picture of this crane. And, and this was, you know, same thing. Ukraine somewhere far away. And uh, they show the, the remote viewer sketch of it. And they're just so similar that they got it down to how many wheels were on this this track. They showed two on each side, which normally you would put one on each side if you're just writing something. But I mean, the details of these remote views are so... The the viewers are able to see so precisely that this guy had two wheels on each side of this crane. I think that that picture of all the research that we did stood out the most to me. Well, don't forget
1: about um, one of the most... uh, that started a lot of this remote viewing was a remote viewer during uh, during World War II that ended up working and, you know, doing the bidding for Hitler. That was a woman. Um, her name is eluding me right now. But when she started to remote view, she was picking up on extraterrestrial entities. So she was doing, you know, like the drawing. But what she was actually doing, she was writing and it was coming out in ancient Sumerian writing. So ancient Sumerian writing must be some type of extraterrestrial writing. Um, from oh, well. yeah. So she started writing down, and it was pages and pages until she came out of her, her remote viewing trance. And when they translated everything that she had written down in ancient Sumerian, it was exact details how to make uh, uh, levitating craft, uh, you know, um, uh, the ufos fighters, for yeah. i mean and, and and hitler did i mean they invented the bell i mean if you believe in um, the podcast that we did on on general bird down in a, antarctica i mean the nazis were the first to get anti-gravity and it was all due to remote viewing and the the plans given to this woman she was
0: able to tap into it
1: yeah she certainly was but uh great topic, one of my favorite I love discussing it um you know uh who knows with with more information coming out on this topic even uh in the near future i've I've heard some rumblings of uh some 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 cool things coming out on um on remote viewing so uh keep your keep your uh eyes and ears peeled for uh maybe some like uh mainstream coverage on uh On our remote viewing. Bringing it to the forefront. Yes, well, we wanted to get the conversation started with you. Hopefully, this has created some type of interest in remote viewing. I know that every time I tap into it or read on it, all I want to do is share about it because, quite honestly, with information like this, when you hear it, You really can't sit on your hands I mean it's got to be something You got to tell everybody That's how this podcast came to be You know We
0: started with a simple conversation And
1: Yeah And like hey What are we like talking about And you know what We found you guys too That uh you like to hear some of the things that we like to talk about, so super excited. We're super excited to be back in here. It's nice to be back. After after a long, you know, hard winter break, but, uh, you know, we're almost into March, so we got spring coming in, so Subtle Beast is going to be subtly dropping new podcasts, hopefully every week, you know, weather permitting, because where we live in Pennsylvania, March can be brutal sometimes. Can going to be some of the worst snow ever, but uh, we're enjoying it, and we're going to do whatever we can to get here in the studio and, uh, you know bring you the information that we feel everyone needs to hear.
0: So, I enjoyed it. Steve, you enjoy yourself tonight? I had a great time. If, if you had a great time with us, go out onto Facebook and uh, check out our, our Facebook page. Share it with your friends. Let your friends listen to what we had to say. Uh, keep the podcast moving out there so that everybody gets a chance to listen to it.
1: Absolutely. And if uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, why don't you go out there and give us a give us a nice review that always helps us in everything we do. Uh, the more five-star reviews we have, the further Subtle Beasts can... Uh, Take this show. So we really appreciate you guys. Had fun tonight. And uh, until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.